Welcome, everybody, to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Before we get into our book discussion, we just want you to be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers in this episode. So if that's something you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book yet, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to our first book of the month episode for August 2023. We'll be releasing new book of the month episodes on the last Wednesday of every month, in addition to our weekly book discussions. This month, we're reviewing... Emily Henry's Happy Place. So stay tuned for our thoughts. But first, what are we snacking on today? Snacks. Snacks. Well, I'm having a sugar-free Red Bull. Mm. And Same I'm snacking on Edward Mark Snappers Caramel and Pretzel Clusters with dark chocolate. They Sounds are so good. so good. And it says that they are remarkable since 1914. And I believe oh. it. Because they're good. <laughs> that sounds really good. <laughs> they're addicting. Yeah. Very, very good. I'm sure. What are you snacking on, Alex? So I also have a sugar-free Red Bull. Red Bull for the win. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm snacking on some black grapes. They're very good. They're very sweet. They're, they're refreshing. Right. <laughs> uh, so you can expect us to be super nice and hyper in this episode for you. <laughs> and uh, again, not sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to take a quick second here to tell you about a book I'm excited about that's coming out soon. I believe it's coming out at the end of October, October 24th. It's by Jessamyn Ward and it's called Let Us Descend. And I'm really excited to read it. It looks pretty good. I've read her books in the past and I'm a really big fan of her, her writing and her work. She's more of a supernatural author. I really get into those books. I like that. And a book that I specifically... Uh, read that I really liked and enjoyed was called Sing Unburied Sing. And just to give you a quick idea about it, it's just about uh, a woman who has issues with drugs. Her husband is in jail and she has two small children with him. Uh, Both children are being raised by her parents. Her mom's very sick, uh, but she has like supernatural elements, the mother. And now her son is actually experiencing some supernatural elements as well. Um, And he's visited by a bird he keeps seeing and the bird turns into a ghost. Um, This boy who has ties with her grandfather, something happened in the past. So it's very, very interesting. So I'm looking forward to reading her new work, which 
I've noticed that um, all of her work seems to be in the same world, like a supernatural world. She has elements that are mentioned in each book that reflect from other books. Like she'll mention a character from one of the books will be mentioned in another one. Very interesting. So I love that. Yeah, that sounds so that sounds like a very interesting book. And I haven't read anything by her. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the new book. Yes. And I'm excited to read read her other stuff. Yes, I'm going to lend you that book, um, Sing Unburied yeah. Sing. It's very good. So we'll see what Alex thinks of it if she reads it. Yay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. For our book of the month episode, we're going to borrow a game from our party episodes. We're going to play a food related rapid fire rounds. This rapid fire round is going to be fruits or rapid fruits, if you will. It was a drive-by fruiting. Some angry <laughs> member of the kitchen staff. Aw. R.I.P. Robin Williams. Yeah. Aw. All right. So we're I... going to set a timer for two minutes. We have to name as many fruits as possible in that two minutes. Yeah. Let us know when we're ready. We go. Grapes. Blueberries. Pineapple. Strawberries. Raspberries. Apples. Watermelon. Uh, uh, mango. Cantaloupe. Uh, honeydew. Pomegranate. Oh, honeydew. Um, oh, pears. Here we go. <laughs> Tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> They're fruit. It's a vegetable. It's a fruit. <laughs> oh, you're a fruit. Um, Alex. Blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> Did we say raspberries? Cranberries. Oh. Um. Um. Passion fruit. Guava. Oh, dragon fruit. Star. Star fruit. fruit. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, oranges, peaches, bananas, pears. I said pears. Um, Oh, um, mandarins, (laughs) Mm. clementines, apples. Did we say tangerines? I did. Oh, okay. Did we Um, say tangerines? No. Oh, plums, Mm. apricots. Mm. Plums are good when they're really ripe. Uh, figs. Figs. Yes. Are Um, dates fruits? Strawberries. I said strawberries. Oh, <laughs> grapes. Every I said grapes. color. Well, did you say every color? No. <laughs> cherries. Okay, then. <laughs> cherries. The white cherries are so good, too. The Renier cherries. Um, hmm. 36 seconds. Wow, really? Oh, my God. Yes. I don't think I know any more fruits. Uh, is coconut a fruit? Yes, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, kiwi. Oh, Yes. Yes, and avocado, right? Because it has a pit. I don't know. Is it a fruit? Sure, I, I'll go with avocado. I'm not I sure. Um, I think it's if it has seeds or if it has a a pit, and I think a pit is seeds. So then, by that, olives would be considered a fruit. No, they're <laughs> legumes. You're a legume. You're a legume. Right. <laughs> Time's up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, under pressure, we are horrendous. And <laughs> actually, we came up with a lot of fruits. I think we just started running out of fruits. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't know. But yay, rapid yeah. fire fruits. <laughs> rapid fruits. <laughs> Since this is a monthly episode, we'll be giving out monthly horoscopes for the coming month. We actually pulled these from yearly-horoscope.org and we took a few sentences from each one. However, if you want to read your full horoscope, we encourage you to visit the link, which we will put in the show notes for you. We'll also give you your ingredient of the month as by 
Jess and Alex. So now <laughs> let's get into the horoscopes for September. Before we start, Alex, what sign are you? I am a Pisces. My birthday is March 6th, but I will okay. not be giving the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> I am a Taurus and my birthday is May 9th. So we will start with our own horoscopes first, and then we'll get into every other horoscope for you guys. Okay. So to start off with Taurus, allow time for what's important and have faith that the people and situations that are meant to be in your life will come of their own accord. Relax and be yourself. Flashy facades soon fade, but safe, solid foundations will stand the test of time. Tauruses, your ingredient of the month is a pumpkin. Nice. Okay. So now on to my other Pisces out there. Here we go. In matters of love, you're starting the month on a fantastic note. An intensely romantic and passionate phase lies ahead in your romantic life, amplified by the social aspects that bring fun to your relationship. Married individuals will find unity with their spouses, where tolerance, respect, and understanding form the pillars of happiness. For singles, an exciting month awaits, filled with opportunities to meet new people. Among them, you might discover someone exceptionally special, paving the way for a beautiful and passionate relationship. Your ingredient of the month, Pisces, spaghetti squash. Mm. I know I love okay. spaghetti squash. <laughs> so all my Capricorns out there. In the realm of love, things will remain steady without significant changes or issues. Couples will continue their routine pace without major joys. For those who are single, September could mark the beginning of a new relationship. A strong and intense desire for love will attract potential partners, possibly through friends or work connections. Capricorns, your ingredient of the month are apples. Nice. All right, Aquarius, you're up now. So cling to what is right this month and sooner or later, you'll be able to convince those around you. It's just going to take some time. The advantages might not be immediately obvious, particularly to those who choose profit over principles, but they will eventually see the light. Your ingredient of the month, cinnamon. Hey, Aries. You now face the prospect of having to deal with something that you know have no control over whatsoever. And the best way to do that is to let it run its course. Interfere or attempt to manipulate this month's surprise package, and you'll simply find yourself tied up in knots. People around you won't appreciate your lack of cooperation, but you'll be the one to benefit in the long run. Aries, your ingredient of the month is nutmeg. All right, Geminis, your love life in September is looking promising. If you're currently in a relationship, this month will bring a sense of tranquility and stability without any conflicts. It's just what you need to feel secure and at ease. For those who are single, get ready for an exciting time filled with new connections and adventurous experiences. Your allure to the opposite sex will be strong and you'll likely find success in winning hearts over. Your ingredient of the month, pecans. Yo, 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 cancers. Money seems to be the chief bone of contention, sparking an ongoing series of clashes and disputes. To avert the possibility of a breakup, it's essential to engage in calm, open conversations to clear the air. Cancer, your ingredient of the month is sweet potato. All right, where my Leo's at, here's your horoscope. Skepticism can be valuable at times, like now, for instance. Try not to trust just anyone and refrain from building up hopes that you found your great love. Everything might not be what it seems. Your ingredient of the month, butternut squash. Hey, Virgos. Financially, 
Planetary shifts bring progress, leading to favorable changes in your economic landscape. You'll receive enticing job offers that appear suddenly, requiring thoughtful choices. Money won't be a major concern, and pleasant surprises might come your way. Virgos, your ingredient of the month is corn. All right, Libra. In matters of love, September promises happiness and stability, maintaining the positive trend from the previous month. Relationships remain steady, and whether you're in a partnership or single, there's no cause for concern. Couples will experience deep affection, while singles can look forward to love a love-filled month, potentially encountering someone special or enjoying casual connections. Your ingredient of the month? Snickerdoodles. Yum. Hey, Scorpios. In matters of love, having a partner by your side will bring happiness in September. The month is filled with romance, positive moments, understanding, and affection. For those who are single, September will be eventful and unpredictable in terms of love. Opportunities for romantic connections come and go with the potential for a significant encounter through a friend or at various events. Scorpios, your ingredient of the month is cauliflower. All right. Last but certainly not least, we got Sagittarius. Financially, September holds promise. It's a prosperous month where earning money won't be a challenge, allowing you to treat yourself to some indulgences. While the first two weeks might involve some financial constraints, your knack for wise investments will pay off in the latter part of the month. This will enable you to relax and afford more of what you desire. Your ingredient of the month? Pears. Okay, so before we get into our book discussion, we just want you to be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers in this episode. So if that's something you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book, you may want to skip this episode and come back to it in the future. We chose to read this book because we love Emily Henry's writing and have heard overall great things about the novel. Thanks, Book Talk. So the book we read this month, as you all know, was Happy Place by Emily Henry, who is a New York Times bestselling author of both young adult and adult romance novels. Emily Henry published her first young adult book in 2016 and went on to publish several more. In 2020, she published her first adult romance novel and has released a new book each year since. Her first three adult romance novels are currently in the process of being adapted into movies, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, Same. I love a rom-com. Yeah. Happy Place is a standalone romance novel by Emily Henry or Emmy the Hens. (laughs) It follows the story of Harriet, Harry for short, and Wynne, who are forced to spend a week together with their friends at a cabin in Maine five months after they secretly broke up. The novel explores their relationship with one another in the past and present, while also highlighting the long-term friendships between their group of six. All right, so let's get into our book discussion. As you know, we read Happy Place. So what did we think of the title? Well, I think think, um, it... It's perfectly sums up the book. Yeah. Right. I mean, it was definitely Harriet's happy place in Maine and definitely her happy places with Wynn. So mm-hmm. I think it perfectly sums up everything that, you know, you can expect from that novel. How about you? Yeah, I liked the title. So if you haven't read the book, it's told in present day and then it has flashbacks to moments of happiness for the main character, Harry. And she refers to these as her happy places. So it's typically a happy memory or location that she has with her long-term partner, Wynn. I mean, I think the title fit perfectly. And I thought it was just a really cute, a cute concept as well. 
So do you have a happy place that you can think of that will elicit thoughts of peace and comfort during times of stress? Oh yeah. My son. Absolutely. Anytime that I get stressed out, if I see his face, I put a smile on mine, you know, Mm -hmm. um, anytime that anything bothers me, if you're having a bad day, you know, I recently lost a pet, anything like that. You can't be sad around him. He just immediately elevates my mood. Yeah. He's my happy place. (laughs) Oh, he is an extremely adorable little, little man. (laughs) How about you? If I'm really stressed out, I like to think of like out West, the national parks, not one in particular, but just in general places that are very remote. It's very quiet. There's not a lot of sounds or people around and it's just very comforting. And it, it brings that feeling of peace. I remember feeling peaceful when I was there and I can feel that again when I think about being there. Like Montana. Montana, a little bit of California, Utah, pretty much all, all of them over there. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful places. Amazing. From what you've told me and from your pictures, I'd love to go there. Oh, you definitely should. Everybody should before they die. <laughs> yeah. Alex showed me a recommend. picture from Montana. I just wanted to jump inside that picture and just read a book all day long by that yeah. water that was there. So yeah. Yeah. If you're from Montana, lucky you. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So oh. the the characters in the book kept secrets from one another throughout the novel. What are your thoughts on the communication or lack thereof between the characters in the book? And what would you have done if you were in Harry's shoes? I mean, I wouldn't have played along and said that we're together when we're not. I would have been upfront. I think a lot of the issues that happen are a result of you know, miscommunication with, with each other because mm. they were a very tight knit group. And she was reluctant to tell them that they were broken up because she didn't want to ruin the dynamics of the group, but the group either knew already, or the dynamics were ruined from this vacation based on the lack of communication. So I think that, you know, if I were, had been in Harry's shoes, I would have been more upfront. My friends or you, Alex, I mean, everybody would know from uh, immediately as soon as we yeah. broke up, I'd be calling or texting and letting everybody know. So it was surprising that they're so close. And I think it shows maybe the strain in their relationship from uh, the distance that, mm. you know, everybody went their own separate ways. Everybody was not communicating as much. And I think that that really shows in that decision to hide that information from her friends. Yeah, I agree with you. If I were in Harry's shoes, immediately after a breakup, I'm texting all of the people that are close to me, even if I don't want to talk about it, I would probably, and I think I have done this in the past and just kind of say, Hey, just giving you a heads up, me and this person broke up. I don't feel like talking about it. I'll reach out. You know, I might be kind of quiet for a few days, but just, I needed you guys to know that. (laughs) And I think it's important because, you know, you might need support and these are your people. (laughs) So I thought it was really interesting in the book that I think Wynn didn't even tell his mom. So for five months, his mom just thinks that he's in a relationship with this person and he's not. It's just bizarre to me. I can't imagine keeping a secret like that from my close friends and family. I definitely I would not have been able to go along with the ruse that we were still together. First of all, that sounds extremely painful. I don't think I could Stressful. emotionally. Yeah, I, I don't think I could emotionally handle that. Also, I I know for a fact, I'm not a good enough actress. People would be like, you're acting weird. What, what are you doing? And if like, he was trying to touch me, I'd be like, don't you dare do not touch me. You're, you're no, you were no longer in a relationship. You no longer have a right to touch me. 
<laughs> so exactly. I don't know. I mean, I think it just really goes back to the fact that both of them probably didn't say anything deep down because they really wanted to be with each other still and had hopes mm. that they could still be together. So the ruse was for themselves too. You know, I think they enjoyed the pretending, even though secretly it wasn't pretending. The whole miscommunication trope was really used a lot in this book. It wasn't just between Harry and Wynne, but it was also between Harry and Wynne and their friends and Harry and Wynne and their family. And I think there was a big issue in communication between Harry and Wynne as well, because they both did still want to be with the other, but they kept making assumptions that the other one was happier now, that this is what they both wanted or needed. And they never had a conversation about it, which I found a little frustrating. At first it didn't bother me. I was like, all right, you know, I, I can read about this. Like halfway through the novel, I was like, all right, enough. You guys need to talk to each other. This is crazy. You've been together for so long. Like you should be able to communicate. But it definitely created a lot of tension in the book, which was it, it's still enjoyable to read about. I agree. So which of the main friend group characters out of Harry, Wynn, Sabrina, Parth, Cleo, and Kimmy, would you say you relate to the most? And who would you relate to the least? I think that I related the most to Sabrina, probably a combination of Sabrina and Harry. <laughs> I just, I kind of, I got Sabrina. I think people were a little frustrated with her in the book. And there were some things that I didn't get, like we need to do the same exact thing every single time we come to the cabin was a little weird, but making an itinerary, needing to know like what the plan is and kind of, you know, gathering everybody and making plans. I think that I related to that a lot. Who did I relate to the least? Probably Kimmy. She was very sprightly and chipper and it's just not, it, it's just not me. <laughs> she, she just seemed like she had a lot of energy and she was super, you know, bubbly and it's just, it's not me. This is I hilarious. Her, <laughs> hilarious because I related least to Sabrina <laughs> and most to Kimmy. <laughs> That makes sense. I I get that though. Um, a, a mixture really of Kimmy and Parth because they were like the outgoing party ones, you know, like um, yeah. let's go to the grocery store and be crazy and let's do this game <laughs> and that and that's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> related to them, uh, me on a Ferris wheel taking my bra off, I would not do that. So Kimmy to some extent. <laughs> Um, but Sabrina, the least, because she was a little much. She was a little um, too planny, you know, like if something fell apart and the, the plan didn't work, she got upset, you know, so that's a little much for me. I like the more spontaneity of, of you know, what's going to happen next. I don't know, but let's have fun. So mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's hilarious that it was the complete opposite for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense, though, like knowing yeah. the both of us, because I do yeah. get upset when plans don't go. <laughs> according and I have to usually Rob will be like I mean it's okay you can just let it go I'm like, I guess you're right but I'm still upset it's stressing me out Aww, because now I don't know what to expect <laughs> I'm sorry Sabrina <laughs> uh, but that is that's really funny yeah. All right. So at the end of the book, Harry decides to leave her career as a surgeon and move to Montana and become a pottery maker. What did you think of this decision? Okay. Extreme. I did relate. I, I forgot to say a little bit to Harry when it comes to the book smarts, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I, I always teach myself new things. I always do things like that. So I related to her with that. Not as far as the surgeon goes. I hate the sight of blood. Wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> uh, but for her, you know, she her whole life was geared towards that. So I think her deciding to just be like, mm, 
I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a pottery maker because I want to be where Wynn is. Mm -hmm. I think that's extreme. Yes, I I think it's cute that they want to be together. But and at the same aspect, too, she wasn't happy in her career. But I think it was a little hasty to just drop that. I mean, maybe she could have continued her her residency or something either there or in Montana, maybe. I don't know. I think maybe for now it might be a temporary change, the pottery making. But I don't know because she said she wasn't even really that good at it. (laughs) So I don't know. I think she's getting better, but yeah, I, so I I don't think I had an issue so much with the decision as I did with how it was written. Cause it did feel very abrupt. It, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing some, you know, confusion in Harry throughout the novel where she was talking about how she wasn't very happy with her career or if she was feeling stressed out and she just wished that she could you know, up and leave and do something like becoming a pottery maker. But we never got that in the book. There was like a slight mention that she was taking these pottery making classes like as a hobby. And then randomly at the end of the book, when her and Wynn are discussing, you know, what's next for them, she's just like, well, I've never been happy planning to be a surgeon. It was something everybody else wanted for me and I needed to live up to them. So I think I'll become a pottery maker and move to Montana with you. And it just felt very abrupt. And I think if that had been, yeah, if that had been just maybe fleshed out a little bit more, a little explained a little bit better throughout the novel, I would have liked it better. But yeah, the way that it just, you know. I agree. Like if in her flashback, she was always making pottery, you know, like, <laughs> oh, her escape was pottery. I, I don't know. Maybe I'd be like, well, yo, yo, that's her calling, of course. But it was just like I went to a pottery class and now I want to drop all of my medical training and make pottery. And I don't know. I don't even mind if it's a new hobby and suddenly she's like, oh, wow, I, I never had the chance to engage in hobbies like this because I've been spending all this time studying to become a surgeon and working all the time and this and that that that's fine. It was just that at the end of the book, they try to make it a point to be like, I'm not doing this to follow when I'm doing this because I'm unhappy and this makes me happy. But it really just felt like she was doing it for when, because there yes. was no mention of it prior to that point. So it just, it just bothered me. I don't know. Yeah. It, like you said, very abrupt. It was very extreme. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't agree with her decision, but if it makes her happy, okay. Yeah. Do I think it will in the long run? I just don't know. The novel explores themes of friendship, love, and loss. So what do you think Emily Henry or Emmy the Hens (laughs) believes about these three topics? So I think in Emily Henry's writing in, in this book, she values friendship and love maybe more than anything else. So I think that this novel really gives the impression that these two things are things that everyone should have in their life. And they're things that they should fight for, especially if it's going to upset them to lose it. I think she definitely gave the impression that it's more valuable to have love and friendship in your life than to have a high paying successful career. And that's fine. Uh, That's just what I think was kind of the overall impression that I got in terms of loss. I really liked the way that Emily Henry handled loss in this book. So there were, there are a couple of dimensions of loss. So there was the loss of a, you know, a partner, there was loss of friendship, and there was also the loss of a parent where when was, uh, this was more in the, the flashback moments that we saw this, but where when was struggling with the loss of his father. And I thought that she described that grief and what it looks like 
extremely realistically. It was really nice to, to read it. I mean, it was sad. <laughs> so it wasn't like, it didn't give me happy feelings, but it was nice to see an author realistically describing what it can look like when somebody is grieving and how, you know, the people around them may try to react to that and how they may try to support them and what that person might actually need in the moment. So I, I like the way that she explored that. And I think that she was kind of trying to explain how loss can impact both love and friendship in life and how it's important to overcome that loss to maintain that love and friendship at the end of the day. So that's what I think. I agree. Yeah, I think that it's apparent too, if you've read Emily Henry's other uh, works, I, I think that it seems she's, she values friendship very much. It seems to be a common theme that she writes about and they say to write from what you know. So I have a feeling that she has some strong friendships perhaps in her life that she values. And that definitely shows through her writing. Mm -hmm. um, same with you about love. She's obviously experienced all three. She seems to have experience with loss as well. And that pulls through her reading also. And going back to the pottery, I mean, one of the things that Harry makes, she names after Wynne's deceased father. So I think, you know, she pulls that into like sentimental things as well. And you could definitely feel that when you're reading the, her novel. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I think I think that all of her beliefs are, are flooded in her, her writing mm -hmm. about all three topics. Yeah, I agree with that. So when facing uncomfortable situations, are you more likely to avoid it like Harry does or confront it like Sabrina does? And has this changed at all over time as you've gotten older or just in general? Okay, so I am half and half with this. Sometimes, I mean, if it's like, you know, Doug or somebody really close to me, if it's an uncomfortable situation, I like to talk. I'm a talker. <laughs> I like to talk and communicate. <laughs> yeah. I can't leave it unsettled. I can't sleep at night. You know, like I have to get things off my chest. If it's a confrontational thing, though, I I will hold it in. Maybe I won't bring it up just because I want to avoid confrontation because that's me. Mm -hmm. Has it changed over time? Kind of. Uh, as I get a little older, I'm kind of like a little more of a fuck it mode where I'm just like, <laughs> actually, let me tell you something. Yeah. So, you know, maybe more um, more vocal now than I used to be uh, about confrontational situations, but uncomfortable situations. I do like to avoid them, but I guess the older I get, the more uh, the more upfront I'll be about it. Like Sabrina holds off until the end to say, hey, I, I knew about your charade the whole time. I probably would have when I had her in the car after I picked her up before they even got to the house been like, girl, why didn't you tell me? Mm -hmm. You know, why did she hold that? information back. I guess she was respecting that Harry didn't want to tell her, but she already knew and she was kind of trying to patch them back together. I don't know. How do you feel about it? So in terms of Sabrina going along with it, I kind of understood that because if you know that something is going on with somebody and they maybe didn't disclose it to you, they might have their reasons for doing that. So I don't know if I would have confronted her right away. I definitely would have confronted her at some point though, especially once they started pretending to be in a relationship. I think I would have been like, hey, like pulled her aside and just been like, hey, listen, I I know that you guys aren't together. What's going on? You know, are you cool with this? What What's happening right now? Don't do that for my benefit, you know. But in terms of if I'm in, in uncomfortable situations or confrontational situations, I'm definitely more likely to confront it. I don't like to let things simmer until they explode. And if something's making me feel really uncomfortable or I just feel unsettled by it, I'd rather just confront it directly and get past it instead of 
continuing to mull it over and just getting more and more upset by it. Has this changed over time? Yeah. So as I've gotten older, I'm less to, <laughs> I'm, I'm less to anger. I'm less likely to anger. So I don't immediately just jump in. I'll pick and choose my battles a little bit more carefully. And I will decide if something is worth conflict. So if I think that something, if confronting something is going to cause a rift that is not worth it in the long run, I might choose to just let it go which is something in the past when I was younger, I definitely would not have done. I would have immediately been like, we need to fight about this until I feel better. And not only is that kind of selfish, but it's also things, you know, maybe I would have lost a friendship or something like that, that I didn't really need to to lose because 10 years down the line, that conflict didn't matter. doesn't make a difference. So I'm just a little bit more uh, discerning with my conflicts now, but it is something that if something's upsetting me or makes me feel uncomfortable, I will confront it with that person just in a less angry way. How oh, very mature of you, Alex. Oh, thank you. I worked really hard on that. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so what do you think about the relationship between Harry and her parents and especially her sister? And where do you see these relationships with her family going in the future? I thought the relationship between Harry and her sister was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get it. I didn't understand why they were, I, maybe it was just because they were so different. I think her sister probably was more rebellious and that's why she didn't get along with Harry as well, or Harry didn't get along with her because Harry had this tendency to just kind of go along and do whatever her parents wanted or she, not so much that they were telling her what to do, but that she wanted to live up to what their impression of her was. She wanted to be this, you know, good girl that did the right thing. And I think that that was detrimental to Harry's character. I think that's why by the end of the book, she is in having this conflict about what she wants to do with her life because she feels like all of her decisions have been made to appease her parents or somebody else in her life. And now she needs to decide what she wants and, you know, what, what to expect for the rest of her life. Um, I like to see that by the end, her and her sister were having a little bit more communication and maybe as they continue to get older, they'll grow a little bit closer. I'd actually like to to see more of that um, if there was ever a spinoff novel, which I don't think this needs. I'm not suggesting that, but I wouldn't mind reading a little bit more about her and her sister and how that relationship develops. I really liked that her parents at the end of the book, that they were all able to kind of sit down and talk about her decisions because they were clearly blindsided when she told them that she was no longer going to be a surgeon. She was moving to Montana and she's going to start making some pots at um, a clay. I feel like if I was a parent and my child was telling me that I'd be like, oh my God, something's something seriously happening. What's going on? Are you having months breakdown? What, what's happening? Are you okay? And I really like to see that her parents were were supportive of her and they went out and visited her and they were trying to understand her perspective. And then her mom even told her, you know, I just want to make sure that you don't make the same mistake I did. I I did this. I went along with your dad because of this reason or that reason. And I ended up being really unhappy. So as long as this is what you want, I'm going to support you, but please don't do this for when. And I liked to see that. Um, I think it's something we don't see a lot in stories like this. There's usually the parents get really mad and then there's a conflict and then she doesn't, by the end of the book, she's not talking to her toxic parents anymore. So it's nice to see a more, you know, real, well, not necessarily realistic because that exists too, 
but just just a different side of that to a more supportive relationship between a child and a parent. No, I agree. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the mom from the notebook, how the mother was kind of mm -hmm. directing her to do what she wanted her to do because she didn't want her um, to make any mistakes. And then in the end, she really regretted not making those mistakes or are they even mistakes? You know, she brought her to yeah. see um, somebody who was potentially her past love life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um and so I feel like in this case, the mother was concerned about when because she didn't want her. She was like, he's a small town boy. You know, he's going to want to go home to his parents and be in the same town. You know, you're going to be the surgeon. And she she had brighter future hopes for her daughter. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you that I like that it ended off where she was more supportive um, of her daughter's decisions. However, I feel like did Harry make a decision that this is what I want to do because this is what I want to do, mm. or this is what I want to do just because I want to be with Wynn. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it kind of seems that way to me. Yes. She's making a decision for herself to throw everything away that she's been doing school for um, because it's not something that she wanted. And that I respect that, but her moving to Montana to be with Wynn and then deciding, Oh, well, I'll just make pottery. You know, like, <laughs> um, I don't know if that's in the long run, what she really wants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as with her sister goes, uh, her and her sister were estranged because her sister definitely was a, re a rebel. She didn't want to do everything her parents wanted her to do. So she finally does connect with her when she steps away, Harry, and says, I don't want this anymore. This is what you want. I don't want your life. You know, <laughs> I, I want to do what I want. Um, and then finally she starts talking to her and she's like, good, I'm proud of you. You know, mm -hmm. and I think now their relationship will actually build because she sees that she's doing what she wants yeah. rather than what um, others want for her. So yeah. I liked that, um, that she was going to bond with her sister in the end. I feel yeah. sad that she didn't get to bond with her sooner. But yeah. Yeah, I liked that she even reached out and was like, hey, you know, I heard about what's going on, you know. I support you if you don't want to do what they're telling you that you should do. So I like to see that she was going to get support either way. It was, she was going to get the support from her parents or she was going to get the support from her sister if her parents weren't supportive. And in the end, she ended up getting support from, from all of them, which was nice to see. But I, yeah. I did like that interaction with her sister. I thought that was nice. Yeah. Did you ever read the notebook by the way, by Nicholas Sparks? I did not <sighs> read it with a whole box of tissues. Yeah. It's worse than watching the movie. I, I cry really every time. Movie. Oh my God. Every, every time that scene goes, it was us. <laughs> I cry. Even if I'm just changing the channels and that scene just happens to be on and I'm not watching it. So <laughs> imagine the book. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right. So what did you think about the friendship between Harry, Sabrina and Cleo? How did their friendship evolve over time? And were you able to relate to this aspect of the book? So, I mean, it saddens me that they were so close and they drifted apart. But I mean, I see that as realistic. Everybody grows apart once you get married or, you know, once you start your career and, you know, you can't do the same things you did in college or whatever, what made you close being together every night going out. Yeah. So I seen that as realistic. Evolving over time, I think that they evolved individually over time, but they definitely grew apart. So I think that their friendships disintegrated, I guess, over time. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, this turn of events now that their main vacation spot is getting taken away, that hopefully maybe it'll draw them closer. Now they'll pick new places to visit and see each other and make more of an effort in the future. So what do you, what about you? Yeah, I really liked the friendship between these three, these three women. 
I agree with you. It, it, it was realistic that they would grow apart. First of all, they met in college and they were all living together. And that's a very different dynamic than when you're scattered all about the country, you're involved in your careers, you're with your partners, you're getting married, having kids. And it's a lot to, to try to balance and prioritize. And it makes sense that the, the friendships would start to I wouldn't say that their friendship really disintegrated. It more just kind of, they drifted apart a little bit. I think by the end of the book, they really did come back together. And I do see them continuing to be lifelong friends. I think that there was just a lack of communication and maybe that was because they weren't as close. So they weren't telling each other everything all the time. I still think that the communication needs to be there in a friendship, regardless of how far away you are from the other person. But I, I enjoyed reading about this friendship and I thought it was interesting with the different personalities. I really liked from Harry's perspective, kind of seeing how they all fit together in the different time frames. So in the past and in the present and how their different personalities came together in a really nice way and how they clashed at times, which is realistic for friendships. Everybody, you know, you're not going to get along with somebody all the time. You're going to get annoyed with people, especially the people you're close with from time to time. <laughs> and uh I, I just, I enjoyed reading about it. I can definitely relate to it. I think anybody that's had a friendship, especially a long lasting friendship can relate to that to, to some degree. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So throughout the book, Sabrina, your girl, is intent <laughs> on preserving traditions from the past and goes as far to provide an itinerary for the friend groups last week at the cabin. Do you think that this was helpful or harmful to the group's increasingly strained relations? Yeah, I think this was harmful. Uh, first of all, they had these traditions from when they were in their early 20s. And now they're all, I think, around 30 years old. And you're just, you don't necessarily want to do the same things you always did. Some of it maybe, but some of it is too much. I think the itinerary was insane. <laughs> uh, only because it was like, okay, at this time, we'll take bathroom breaks. At this time, we'll go yeah, to lunch. At that's this, a little much. Yeah. At this time, we're going to go get coffee and you guys are going to go do this. And I was like, okay, that's, yeah, you're that's literally a little controlling. Yeah. You're literally mapping out every second of everybody's day during this entire week trip. But I did like that she, wanted to preserve some of that tradition. I, I do think that some traditions are nice and maybe, you know, a couple of those things might be nice to do every time you guys get together, but to have it always be exactly the same is harmful because it, it doesn't allow for growth. It doesn't allow for your friendship to evolve. It's expecting the friendship to stay in the same place it's always been without taking into consideration that you've grown as people, as individuals, your relationship to one another has, has evolved. And I think by the end, she kind of recognizes that. And she was just a little bit in denial, I think maybe about getting older, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think overall it, it's what contributed primarily to a lot of the strains that we were seeing during that week long trip. Yeah. I just, I think the whole thing was controlling, you know, like, oh, be here at this certain time for a surprise. It's like, what am I getting into? How do I dress for this occasion? What am I doing? Like, yeah. you know, it was just a little much. She was a little over the top with that. Some traditions, yeah. I do agree with you, um, you know, that preserving some traditions are fine. Like going to the restaurant that they always went to, or, you know, returning to the same house that mm -hmm. um, they, you know, uh, basically essentially grew up together with mm -hmm. um, at this house. You know, they have a lot of memories preserved there. So I, I feel like some of the traditions are great, but, you know, the the little uh, micromanaging of it was a little much. 
yeah. a little hard to to stomach for me and that's yeah. why sabrina would kind of annoy me <laughs> at times yeah i mean i do think it came from a good place i don't think she was trying to be controlling i think that she needed this to be the best yeah. weekend ever and that was part of her coping as well yeah but and i think also she doesn't like change it seems yeah not only was she going to be married during this weekend or this week rather which was going to be something life-changing mm-hmm. but i think in the back of her mind too she knew harry and win were having issues and she wanted to try and preserve them as well maybe to try and push them closer together oh well, let's do all the things we used to do so this way it reignites something like the spark for you guys mm-hmm. so maybe you know behind the scenes maybe she was hoping for something like that too so yeah, I could see it from that perspective. Yeah, I do think that there were times in the book where Sabrina seemed to know Harry a little bit better than Harry knew herself. And there were some times where she she was trying to push Harry to kind of come to her own conclusions, but Harry was just completely avoiding it all. <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought that was interesting at the end when she was like, I mean, I was hoping that you would be able to, you know, see what you wanted. And then eventually they do let her come to her own conclusion. But I just think it took Harry a long time to get there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it was kind of like a silent theme in this book too. Um, change, you know, how yeah. they were kind of all avoiding it in their own way. And then later on, um, you know, they basically admit like, hey, this is what I was hiding. This is what I was hiding. And they were all hiding something because they were afraid. Yeah, that it would drift them uh, even further apart. So yeah, hopefully by them, you know, disclosing everything at the end there, we'll bring them back closer together again. Yeah. So what did we learn about Harry's and Wynn's personalities from the flashbacks in the book? Were the flashbacks to Harry's happy fl- places effective in helping us learn about and understand the characters better? Or did you find yourself more invested in one timeline over the other? I mean, I was vested in, in both timelines because they were so different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did love the, you know, I did love the memories of her, uh, Harry and Wynn, you know, falling in love. And and they had like a forbidden love because they weren't supposed to date anybody from the group yeah. <laughs> the, within the group. <laughs> Um, so it was it was cute to see their little uh, blossoming romance. I hate that I keep saying the blossom <laughs> word from every book. Damn it, hooves. So, yeah, but like, <laughs> um, but I I did enjoy the flashbacks a lot because that returns to her happy places and it showed us, you know, why she she had those happy places. It didn't dance around it. It, it basically gave us all the background and all the dimension we wanted mm-hmm. um, to learn more about her and about her relationships. Yeah. So I wasn't invested in more than one one over the other. I thought that they were a happy balance and uh, complemented one another well. Yeah, I agree with you. I really liked the flashbacks. I think that they were used effectively. They weren't overused. And I thought it was really nice because I felt that in the present, Harry wasn't very happy. So to see past moments when she was happy, I think it really added a lot to her character and helped us to understand her better. So I appreciated that in the happy places. Also, it was kind of cute to see them fall in love for the first time and all that. It was just nice. It was sweet. I definitely wouldn't have been like, oh, I only want to read about the happy places or I only want to read about the present. I think having a balance of the two was the perfect decision on Emily Hen- Henny's part <laughs> or Emmy Hens. <laughs> Emmy the Hens. <laughs> Emmy the Hens. So I really liked that. I think it was a really effective use of flashbacks. And yeah. I I think it it really it really helped the story. Yeah, um, I think without the flashback, I think we wouldn't have because me and Alex both got emotional. 
in certain parts. Mm -hmm. And I think without the flashbacks and all that extra knowledge that wouldn't have been there had we not, you know, received those uh, flashback chapters, I think we wouldn't have been as emotional, you know, because we we were reflecting on the memories with her in a way as she was going through this week. And, you know, again, there was changes to those yeah. flashbacks, you know, so it was very hard for her. I mean, when she she came at him when he was using the outside shower mm. and she starts like professing herself and I lost it. I started crying. I cried um, for that the whole last, scene. Yeah. The last <laughs> few chapters of this book, I was just weeping the whole time. And just in general throughout this book, even like I, I laughed, I cried, but there were yes. there was there was a very much a sad overtone. And I think that's because it was from Harry's perspective and she was sad. And I felt that like while reading and it also, you know, for anybody that's been in love and lost love and things like that, you, it definitely brings up those emotions that maybe you were able to relate to, but having it go back and forth between, you know, being with somebody that you're not currently in a relationship with, but that you were so happy with, and now you have to pretend to be happy again. It, to me, it was just so heartbreaking. And so yeah. to, to see those happy moments and try to get into her head in the present and be thinking of that, because that's what she was thinking about in the present is kind of how the flashbacks were happening. She'd be like, oh, let me go to my happy place. And then it would be that. So I think that I lost my train of thought again, <laughs> but it, uh, I, I just really liked it in the book. It I, I thought yeah. it was really nice. and Because you could tell that they definitely still loved each other. You know, they were being stubborn and they were also trying to be logical about, you know, their choices and their choices were bringing them apart. He wanted to be one place. She wanted to be another. She was doing, yeah. you know, she was working so hard that they couldn't see each other. You know, it was definitely um, heartbreaking to see. And like you said, you know, we've all had our own situations. So, yeah, this this book made me cry. Way to go, Emmy the Hens. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you think the characters in the book go from here so after the conclusion what are they doing um cleo and kimmy are happy on their farm they have a baby they have their whole little happy family first of all i love the whole i'm on a farm um i love that for them yeah (laughs) their life seems the most fun i I would definitely want to live on a farm and raise a family (laughs) i think that they're going to end up happy uh i see sabrina and parth hopefully you know living out their lives happily as well, having a family. Um, And I hope, you know, going forward from here that Harry made the right choice. I know that she'll be happy with Wynne. I know Wynne will be happy with her. Do I know that she made uh, the correct career choice? I mean, I hope she's happy in the end because she seems to be unhappy um, in that career choice. You know, she Mm -hmm. seems to be branching out to try to find what she wants mm-hmm. and whether that be pottery or it just ends up being a hobby and she decides to do something else that's to be determined but I just hope everyone you know finds their happy place again and stays there yeah I do think that this is another case of happily ever after I do believe that at the conclusion of this book everyone really does live out their happily ever after I think it was wrapped up enough to believe that there's only good things in store for them I agree that Cleo and Kimmy are living on their farm. They're going to have their baby. They're going to continue living their quiet and happy life. Sabrina and Parth, I'm not sure where they'll end up, but I think that they'll be together and I think that they'll be happy. I do think Sabrina will make the most effort to continue the friendships with everyone because that's really what she was 
she was doing that in, in the book as well, where she, you know, she was trying to go visit Cleo and she was, Cleo was saying, no, it's not a good time. And she was trying to keep in touch with Harry and Harry wasn't responding. So I think that she's going to continue that trend. And I hope that the others meet her halfway. And Harry, I think, I think we get the sense at the end of the book that she, she chooses happiness in terms of her love life versus a career. And so I do think that she will be happy. I think that they're probably going to, you know, start a family and live happily ever after Montana. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you're right about Sabrina. She's the glue for the friendship. So I think going forward now that they lost the main house, um, I think that they're going to try to find ways to get together every year. And Sabrina is definitely going to be the one to push and make that happen. Yeah. With her itineraries. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Maybe she'll knock that off. (laughs) So if uh, Emmy the Hens were to write a sequel or spinoff, which of the characters would you be most interested in reading about further? I would like to read more about Sabrina. I I think Cleo and Kimmy would be interesting to read about, but I think that their, their stories kind of already, I already know what happens with them is that they, they have their life plan set out for them. I'd like to see what happens between Sabrina and Parth and where their journey takes them. Yeah, I definitely, I disagree, agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> I would totally read the Cleo and Kimmy spinoff. <laughs> I would love to see their days on the farm and see them raising goats and, and horses and all these things <laughs> and their little babies growing up and doing the same and them living the, the simple life, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that would be a totally different uh, book, but I would be excited to read that. And then everybody comes and visits them there, you know, mm-hmm. um, they go horseback riding or whatever it is they would want to do. But also they have, I think their farm is in New York. So woohoo, um, <laughs> go New York, you know, uh, I think it's obvious from my accent that, you know, where I'm from. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd, ha- I'd have to represent with my, my New York people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Harriet's happy place is being with Wynne, despite her strong sense of independence. So what do you think this says about their relationship? And did it feel empowering or problematic to you? So I think Wynne brings out a side of her that she didn't know she needed to release, if that makes sense. She's always been independent. She's kind of, you know, a bookie. She gets lost in her learning. And then all along comes Wynne and he kind of you know, dares her to to go outside of herself a little bit to explore more of something that she maybe didn't notice in herself. So I think obviously opposites attract and in their relationship, that definitely is something. He's a little, he's a little introvert himself. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, they do mesh well, of course, together, not all opposites attract. Of course, you have to have some kind of common denominator in order mm-hmm. to, you know, get along. But I, I didn't... uh. I didn't find it problematic. I thought they actually were a perfect match for one another, um, mm-hmm. except the fact that he was a small town boy and, and you know, she was this um, woman with high aspirations. Everyone, you know, she was like most likely to succeed type. Mm-hmm. He kind of didn't want to stand out and he just wanted to kind of blend in with his simple life. So problematic to her, you know, original career choice. Yes. <laughs> but empowering, I guess, to her in the end that she still said, hey, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do what I want. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with both. What do you think? Okay. I do think it's a little bit problematic only because I do think that Harry has this consistent issue with her character that she defines herself through 
external experiences or external people. So she, for the longest time was, you know, Harry, the surgeon, Harry, the, you know, good student, Harry, the smart girl. And that was all related to her career choices and how she did in school. And then her happy place being defined solely through win is just, that's how she sees herself. So there's nothing else in her life that makes her happy except for win. What happens when win's no longer there? And obviously we get to see that a little bit in this book because they do break up for a brief period of time. But what happens when win dies? What does Harry do then? So I do think it's slightly problematic. I think it's, um, I think she is a little dependent maybe on him, but okay, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily a huge issue. Hopefully she does find herself more now that she is choosing to make decisions based on her own happiness versus the happiness of others. And maybe that will continue to grow. But I do think as far as what we see in the novel and what we can anticipate is coming next, I, I think it's slightly problematic. What happens if wind dies tomorrow? Who, what's your happy place? Who are you? What makes you happy outside of wind? Mm, that's a really good, good question. If God forbid something happens. Yeah. Cause she really just gave up everything for him in the yeah. end. Yeah. Well, the characters play a game where they imagine what they would do if they had an entirely different life to live. Uh, what do you think about the characters and their desires? And do you think that this was a healthy or a harmful exercise to play. Oh, I liked this. I thought that this was fun. I thought it was a really cute idea. I don't think it was harmful. I do think it was healthy to imagine what your life could be like if everything was different. Yeah. I don't know if I have much more to add to that. I, I think it was healthy. I think it's kind of cool to try to force yourself to think about your life differently and what mm -hmm. you would choose if certain things in your life were different. And I think that helps you to identify again, who you are as a person and what you want in life. So I right. think particularly for Harry, this was probably a healthy exercise. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a foreshadowing for Harry because uh, obviously she ends up with the complete opposite, you know, of what she had anticipated her life would become in yeah. the end. I think it's a little harmful if you, it, it's fun and it's healthy to play as long as you don't, you know, get hung up on the fact that you'd rather be someone else. Because mm, um, okay. I think that it's it's more healthy to be who you are, um, to embrace who you are, you know, to live with no regrets because everything happens for a reason. Uh, that's just a personal belief of my own. So, no, that's a um, really good point. Yeah. I think we actually see that a little bit more with Wynn, where he when he was living with Harry in San Francisco and he was really depressed and that worsened after he lost his father. And I think, you know, he, every time he played this game, it was always, well, I end up back with, with Harry, another one, a little dependent, you know, mm. but he, you know, I wonder if at some point he was thinking, oh, I'd rather be in Montana. I think he actually does say that at one point he would, he would have never left Montana. Um, and then he does end up doing that at the end, he goes back to Montana and that's where he stays. So it it's healthy in the sense that it can help you realize those dreams or desires that you might have. But if you're choosing not to pursue them, then it can become harmful and increase feelings of depression. And I think we definitely, I think Emily, Emily, the hens touched on that a little <laughs> bit. I think that's a really good point you brought up. You brought up. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to to note how Harry was always or at least projected to be so independent. And then in the end, she ended up dependent where Wynn mm. always seemed so dependent on her. And then in the end, ended up independent. Right. 
choosing, yeah. like, I'm not coming back to San Francisco. I'm not happy there. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting to to see. So that's the one thing about this book. So I think this would have been a five-star read for me if at the end they they did decide to go their separate ways. If they did have that reckoning where we do love each other and it's not a matter of love. It's just that our life paths are divergent where we're now, we're no longer on the same path. You know, your path's leading this way and my path's leading that way. And then just to come to a good acceptance of that would have been extremely heartbreaking. And I think more impactful of a read, but it wouldn't have been happy. So I get I why, yeah, I get why Emily Henry didn't do that. But I think if she had, it would have elevated this for me to a five-star read. I agree. I think this would have been more realistic mm-hmm. if it ended that way and less of a, you know, we love to read YA sometimes because it always has a happy ending for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them do. Um, but life doesn't always have happy endings. You know, a lot of us have similar experiences that didn't end up the way that this did for them. You know, I mean, in real life, would she have thrown away all that she, you know, aspired to be and all of that training and, and you know, everything that she she had built up? I don't know if she really would have done that. I think it just, you know, kind of tied it up at the end to be like, OK, they're back together. Happy ending. Bye. Yeah. You know, also, but I don't know. Imagine the student loans. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to create pottery so I can pay off all my loans. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think I would have given it a five star, too, if it was more heartbreak- heartbreaking in the end. Yeah. Definitely. So Harry and Wynn's friends are unaware of their breakup, which leads them to fake their relationship during this trip. What did you think of that decision overall? And did you think it was necessary or did you think it created more problems than it solved? Definitely kind of touched on this earlier. Yeah. Definitely created more problems than it solved because miscommunication nine out of 10 times, if not all 10 times, is going to cause issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think had they been upfront and said, hey, look, we don't want the big room. We want the the twin bedroom or a different room separate from each other because we're not really together anymore. Um, it would have set a different tone, of course, for the trip, but it would have definitely been more honest and upfront. And I think it, you know, maybe they wouldn't have ended up together in the end. Who knows? Um, Obviously, Mm -hmm. this is the way the story went for a reason. Yeah. But I think it definitely caused more problems than it solved everybody being. And and not just even them, you know, everybody holding secrets from each other is what caused a lot of, you know. Yeah. uh, Separation or issues in the novel. Yeah, definitely. We, we did talk about this, I think, a little bit earlier. So forgive me if I if I already said this, but I did not really care for this decision. It just seemed maybe it's just because I couldn't relate to it. I was like, there's no way. Like, how do you just pretend to be in a relationship with somebody that you're actively grieving? You know, yeah. to me, it just seems like I, I couldn't understand it. I I think it was necessary for the whole book to take place, because if it hadn't, this would have been a very different book to read. But I do think that it created a multitude of problems because A, the miscommunication just continued. So now not only are they lying about being broken up, they're lying about being in a relationship, they're lying to their friends, they're lying to one another. It's creating a sense of what could have been false hope. And I think throughout the novel, we got that impression from Harry that she was like, I need to stop thinking this way because he chose to end it with me. Um, yeah, in a four minute, uh, phone conversation after yeah. all those years together, might I add, which, yeah, you know, I know, how ridiculous is that? I would feel so uncomfortable after all of that. And that just shows the lack of communication again, you know, between the two of yeah. them. It's like, oh, you know, I, I went back, he, he went back home when, um, for those of you who didn't read it, maybe, but 
he went back home uh, to Montana because his mom was sick. His father had died, so he wanted to stay close to her. Um, but really, you know, it was because they had drifted apart. She was always working and never home. You know, he he had distrust issues with her and her um, co-workers. You know, there was a lot going on there. And then to unpack all that in just a four-minute conversation was just low. So if, yeah. you know all of a sudden now he's at the house and, you know, you had a four minute conversation with him after all those years and that's all. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's pretending to be all over you. I, it, I don't know. It doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. That's another really good point. I forgot about that. It was a very abrupt breakup and then they didn't see each other or speak to one another for five months. And then they just show up at this cabin and they're both there and have to pretend to be in love again. I, my rage would not have yeah. been able to handle that. And exactly. I say like, I've been able to handle my anger better as I've gotten older, that would unleash me because there's no, <laughs> there's no effing way <laughs> that I'm sitting in that room and not just like exploding on everyone. That's, I can't imagine holding that in. All right. So after their breakup, Harriet and Wynn are both quick to jump to conclusions and make assumptions, assumptions about each other's current lives. Do you have any theories about Wynn's secretive behaviors on the trip? So, he, you know, after that four minute conversation, like I mentioned, all of a sudden now he's buying a book she knows he normally wouldn't read. He doesn't like coffee books. He's sitting there smiling at his phone. Mm -hmm. Of course, after that conversation, you know, she's starting to think things like, oh, maybe there's someone else. And that's not healthy. You know, they broke up. So now it's toying with her mind. This pretending to be together is starting to make her feel like they are still together mm -hmm. and that she has every right to know about his personal life. And she has no right to it because they broke up just like he would have no right to ask her things about her personal life and that coworker or whatever, if things were going on. Yeah. Um, and she's clearly jealous. She makes it obvious. I think her yeah. addressing him, you know, confronting him about it is a little much when they were alone, they got locked in the wine room or whatever. And she was like, who was that book for? Who are you seeing? Who are you smiling at at the phone? Like that's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I understood that. <laughs> I have issues there with that. Yeah. Uh, I theories about his secretive behavior. I think it's revealed later on. It's just, you know, oh, I bought this book because it has a table that I made and look, it's selling for a lot of money and I'm talking to my mom and she's sick. I do think that because we were seeing it more from Harry's perspective, that it seemed more secretive than it really was. I think it was just him like naturally texting his mom and him really choosing to buy this book. And she just chose not to ask him about it. Actually, I can't remember now, uh, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong on this. She might have asked him and he kind of skirted the question about the book or he was like, oh, why do you need to know? Which I think yeah. he should have just. But yeah. I also understood about his yeah. new career. I don't understand why that had to be so secretive. That's the thing is like he wanted to keep it a secret. So fine if that's what he wanted. But why did he want to keep it a secret? I didn't really get it. The, yeah, it was weird. You're right. I yeah, uh, It was awkward. Yeah. You know, like if you, you know, I mean, you're together for so long, you know, this person use your best friends at this point, you know, why wouldn't you want to be like, Hey, uh, just so you know, I found my niche, you know, I, I started making tables and I'm really good at it and I'm making a lot of money off of it. And I bought this book for it. Yeah. You know, maybe he just wanted to keep up a mysterious, you know, the mystery or whatever. So this way it made her guess. And then if that's the case, what a douchebag. I don't know. Well it's funny too, because I thought that during, well, while I was reading, I was like, why is he acting this way? Does he have another, you know, person? Cause if so, like that's, that's fucked up. What are you doing when? And then I was like, no, this has to be, you know, a switch out or whatever, where they're making it seem one way and it's going to be something else, which it was in the end. But 
I was like, if it really is that he's in another relationship, then he's acting super, super effed up. <laughs> yeah, he was being super sketchy and super shady. I yeah. mean, she had every right to 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 question it, but not maybe question him since they're no longer together. I don't know. I don't know. I understood that completely. If if somebody broke up with somebody that I'd been with for for years, okay, years broke up with me in a four minute phone call slash text, went away, didn't speak to me, didn't see me for five months, shows up at this cabin where he's not, she she didn't even know he was going to be there. And the first thing she sees when she walks in is him sitting there and everybody's like, surprise, he came. And then I have to pretend to date him. And the whole time, just no explanation from this person, no communication, no conversation about the breakup, about what led to it or anything like that. I would be like, what the F is wrong with you? Are you dating someone else? Like, can you get over us that quickly? Because to me, that would be a pretty quick turnaround time after such a long relationship. And I think, I think I probably, that probably wouldn't be the first thing I confronted him about, which it did seem like that was the first thing she ended up confronting him about. But I think I would have been like, dude, are you seeing someone? Like, are you already in another relationship? Like, please tell me because we're playing house up in this cabin you know, sleeping in the same room, you're acting super affectionate towards me. And if you're in a relationship with someone else, like I can't be a part of this. That's crazy effed up to that person. And it's really, really fucked up to me. Yeah. And I think it goes to show like how she was so wrapped up in her job that she wasn't even noticing things like this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like she was so surprised by his change in behavior, her friends changes behavior. And she didn't even notice that she was herself changed and that it was causing these rifts. So, well, it, I thought it was actually really interesting. She at towards the end of the book, she says that she did notice that Wynn was acting differently and her solution was to just act like everything was fine and act like nothing was happening. And I, yeah. And well, I think this just comes back to her non-confrontational behavior, her desire to avoid any type of uncomfortable situation. And in the end, it resulted in Wynn believing that she really just didn't care about him because she was just trying to act like everything was fine. And they, she even said, you know, we never fight. We never argue about anything. Like, I want you to care enough to argue with me to fight for our relationship. And she just thought that, you know, he just wanted her to go along with whatever it was that he he needed which once again comes back to her people pleasing and just doing what other people want in the end. So I got kind of off topic, but I thought that that was just an interesting thing about Harriet's character that we discover at the end of the book. Yeah, no, she definitely, I feel like she grows towards the end of the book. She starts to recognize things that she wasn't realizing, you know, that were occurring and it started to make more sense to her as she started to realize, you know, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that was, that was good to see. Cause obviously the miscommunication, uh, there's a, a theme in this novel that miscommunication is harmful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or just flat out lack of communication. <laughs> exactly. In some instances. Yeah. Right. So in so. the end, it's revealed that Sabrina and Parth knew about their breakup or about the breakup between uh, Harry and Wynn. Do you think that they made the right decision by going along with the fake dating setup? I yeah, no. I already know how you feel about that. No, I mean, I think I think that their heart was in the right place. I think that they wanted to bring them back together because they knew they were right for each other. You know, I think that they were saddened by the information and also hurt that they weren't told by their friends that this was happening. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that they should have went along with the charade either. I think that everybody should have been up front. And the fact that they weren't, I think, is is the root cause of a lot of issues in this in this novel and, you know, the rifts between them. So, yeah, 
I agree. I, I, I do think that their hearts were in the right place. I think they didn't really mean any harm by it, but it definitely was harmful. First of all, putting it's such an emotional situation to put your friends into. I, I would definitely feel betrayed if I were Harry to know that my supposed best friend was kind of in on this whole thing. I would have felt like I'd been made a fool of and like everybody knew what was going on except for me. I definitely would have felt embarrassed and just upset. Um, I don't think it was the right decision in the end. I think I mentioned earlier, you know, if I, if I were in Sabrina's shoes, probably pretty early on in the trip, I would have just kind of taken Harriet aside and been like, Hey, listen, I know what happened. I, you know, if you don't want to talk about it, it's okay but I want you to know that I'm here for you. And like, you don't need to do this. Like, yeah. You know, it's just kind I, of messed up. I think up. Sabrina said that she found out, wasn't it like they read a text they weren't supposed to, or I forgot how they found out. Yeah. Porth saw the text message. Like a draft text or something. Yeah. On Wynn's phone. And then he told Sabrina because they're, you know. Yeah. I together. think that would have been the point for me if it was my friend to text my friend and be like, anything you want to tell me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's going on? I, I think I wouldn't have been able to hold that in either. But I think that just, again, shows the, you know, how they were all drifting apart. Um, And then she doesn't like, like change Sabrina and she didn't want them to drift apart. So I think that this was her way of trying to mend. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, would you read any more books from Emmy the Hens? And if so, which ones would you read? Yeah, I definitely would. I, I enjoy Emily Henry's writing. I think that she is a good writer. I think she tells a good story. I usually am a big fan of her, her romance plots and also her characters. I have read Book Lovers in the past. I would be interested in reading Beach Read and the people we meet on vacation. I've heard really good things about both of those. Also, I think all three of those are the ones that are scheduled to become movies soon. So I definitely want to read them before the, the movies come out. I agree. This was my introduction to Emily Henry. I know you you, you had read, um, I think it was Book Lovers, right? Yeah. yeah. And you said it was really cute. Yeah. I liked um, it. So it I definitely good. want to pick that up next and read that one. But I think this is an author that I would like to read all of her work. I seem to um, to have, you know had all the feels in this book <laughs> I cried I laughed you know um the the characters I got to know them and I actually cared about them so uh, I love that so I think her writing in this book definitely makes me want to read more of hers so yeah. I would probably read either book lovers or beach read next yeah book lovers sure. is super cute I think you would really like it. it it's just a really sweet story and a little bit of uh that tension that I know we've talked about that we enjoy in those romantic plots too love that yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my favorite, you know, because I'm a Pride and Prejudice girl. So we love yeah. that. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> so how many in the end, how many golden scoops uh, would you give this? Would you skip or would you scoop, Alex? I'd scoop it. I definitely would recommend this book. I would give it four golden scoops. Uh, I thought it was a sweet story. The writing was beautiful. The character development was well established. The atmosphere was very comforting. I really felt like I was in Maine with the characters while I was reading it. I thought she did a great job of really setting setting the stage for this this book. And I really was engrossed in it too. You know, it, it pulled me in and it I never really got pulled out of it, which was nice. I thought the plot was relatable. I cried throughout the last several chapters, just weeping the whole time. The reason this doesn't get a five star for me and it is only four is because I did feel frustrated at times with the lack of communication. 
I thought that there was a bit of a lull in the middle of the book and that it could have been just slightly shorter. Um, I, there, it was just, there was one point where I was like, okay, we get it. They're not communicating. I've seen enough of the lack of communication. I need a, some type of movement now. I did not particularly like the idea of Harry giving up her career as a surgeon. I understand why she did it, but I, I still am unsure if I agree with it. Overall, though, I thought that this was a great book. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's in love, has been in love in the past, or anyone with a lifelong friendship. I think it's worth a read. Yeah, I think it's relatable to a lot of people out there. So I definitely recommend it. I would 100% scoop. Uh, I give it a four and a half and not a five because like for all the reasons Alex said, you know, I got all the feelings, like I said, um, but I did get frustrated with um, the ending. Like I felt like, you know, would she just quickly just throw away everything and just, you know, it didn't seem realistic to me. I would have liked to have seen more of, you know, her battling um, with that choice rather than just dropping everything to run to Montana yeah. for him. It just seemed out of character for her. And the whole pottery thing, uh, it just, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like that might have been maybe better developed or like we said, maybe in her childhood memory, she was always into pottery or something. Um, maybe that I could have been more on board with that. But other than that, I absolutely loved the book. I loved Emily Henry's writing. I loved the characters. I too felt like I was in Maine and I was a friend and I was there with them for the whole ride. So, yeah, you know, I really did love and enjoy this book. And it was such a happy place to read this after the two books that we did not want to scoop. Yes. So, <laughs> it, it was um, definitely a, a breath of fresh air. Yes. In, in, 100%. This, in this genre. Yes. Yep. And I think I think a lot of the points that I made about Colleen Hoover's writing are just you can see the difference an Emily Henry novel in terms of what I was talking about with the complexity of the plot, the complexity of the characters and just how everything kind of comes together. It's just what I was lacking in those other books. Yeah. This, this picked up what we were missing for yeah. sure. And um, it definitely helps fill in the gaps for us and, and, you know, make it all okay and say, yeah. all right, well, this is what the book should have been like. And it definitely <laughs> helped us. Yeah. Um, for sure. So it was definitely a breath of fresh air, like you said. Yeah. I would, I would read it again. So I definitely yeah, liked it. I would too. I might cry again too. Oh, don't cry. <laughs> don't, don't cry. cry shop girl. Shop girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't make me go watch that movie right now. I know I might have to watch it. <laughs> Before we go, since it's the end of the month, let's give our monthly reading recap. These are the books we read in August and what we rated them. So we both read It Ends With Us and I, Alex, gave it two stars. And I just gave it three stars. We read It Starts With Us, which I, Alex, gave one star. And I just gave one and a half. Very generous. Mm -hmm. uh, Very. <laughs> we read Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. I, Alex, gave it 3.5 stars. And I gave it a five star. Ooh. I feel like there should be like a little celebration for five stars. <laughs> and then we also read happy place i alex gave it four stars and i gave it four and a half all right so in addition to that i read city of flames by rena vasquez i gave it three stars this book had a, a really good foundation but it read like a first draft so there were a lot of uh 
grammar errors, spelling errors, things that were just really troublesome, I thought, <laughs> in a finished novel. So it got three for me. But otherwise, it was a good story and had a lot of really original ideas. It, it really had the potential to be good. I read The Serpent and the Wings of Night by Carissa Broadbent. I give that two stars. I think that this book was overhyped for me. And so it let me down. I really expected it to be amazing. I personally was bored for most of it until like the first, uh, the last maybe 10%. And then I got interested in it. So maybe I'll read the sequel. I'm not sure. Then I read Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. I gave that a five. I talked about that in one of our Thursday episodes. It was a phenomenal read. Definitely recommend it. I will be reading the sequels in the next month. I read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Gave that a 4.5. Fantastic book. We'll be doing a full review on that uh, coming up soon. So I won't give anything away. Then I read, or at least started to read Lady of Darkness. I did not care for it. I did not finish it. And then I started Serpent and Dove. This is another one that seems to be hyped up. I started it, put it down, never picked it up again, but I do kind of want to give it a second chance. So I might. Woohoo. You had a five star in there too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I read, um, okay. So my DNF <laughs> of the month was things we never got over, which I totally got over. Um, by Lucy score. It was so long and it just, I, I couldn't finish it. Um, personally, zero stars for me. I just, it, I'm sorry if you love it, but it's not for me. Yeah. The rest of them for the month, I were actually audiobooks in addition to, um, the books that we read and reviewed and they were, uh, on writing by Stephen King, which I gave four stars. I, I found his, uh, narration great and funny. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Excellent book. I recommend everyone read it. Um, I gave that a four and a half. Uh, a lot of great tips in that book. And Girls Stop Apologizing by Rachel Hollis. Another good one that I recommend to all uh, the girlies out there. <laughs> and, um, and I gave that one a four. So good month. Nice. Yeah. I want to read Atomic Habits. I've heard yeah, really I good it. things about that. I definitely recommend it to everyone. Yeah. You know, it's in the top for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> true. All right. So those were the books we already read. And now we're going to get ready for the coming month. So here are the books that we're looking forward to reading in September. So together, we're going to read for the podcast Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross, as well as A River Enchanted by Rebecca Ross. Super excited for those. Cannot mm -hmm. wait. <laughs> Same. Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter and A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Honestly, I'm really excited for this whole lineup. <laughs> I am so excited for this lineup. Yeah. I it's going to be a good month. Yeah. I'm really excited. I am excited about it too. So in addition to that, I would like to read Crown of Midnight by Sarah J. Mass. I did read Throne of Glass. I never picked up the second one, but I do want to finish it before the new Crescent City comes out in January. So that's my goal. I want to read Bloodmarked, the sequel to Legendborn by Tracy Dion, Us Against You, which is the uh, next book in the Beartown series, which is just more of a spinoff. It's not really a sequential thing, but Daughter of No Worlds by Carissa Broadbent. Heard great things about that. Possibly The Ashes and the Star-Cursed King by Carissa Broadbent. That's the sequel to Serpent and the Wing of Night. And then I'd like to give Serpent and Dove another chance. So we'll see if I get to that. Nice. You got a good line up there too. Yeah. I have a whole month in front of me because I definitely want to read Akatar. Okay. Yes. I have a book hangover, like Alex said, that I would have after Fourth <laughs> Wing. And I need me some fantasy. So I have to read Akatar. I want to say that I'm only going to read the first one, but do I want to read the whole series? Probably. Yes. Um, and in addition to that, I want to read Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I heard that the yeah. audiobook is amazing. 
People have said it's like the best audiobook they've ever listened to. So I wow. bought the book and the audiobook and I plan on reading those. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I've heard really good things about that too. I'm looking forward to that. And I Thanks. just I just need you to read Akatar so that I can freaking talk so to you excited. about Akatar. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to read it. Yeah. All right. So we will be continuing our book discussion on Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros next Tuesday, September 5th. Join us then for our thoughts on the second half of the book. We'll be uh, reviewing chapters 20 through 39. So tune in then. And don't forget to tune in tomorrow, Thursday, August 31st for another party episode. <laughs> don't forget to mark your calendar for our next book of the month episode which will air on Wednesday, September 25th. We'll be reading and discussing Karen Slaughter's critically acclaimed thriller, Pretty Girls. All the pretty girls walk like this. this like this. This, this, this. <laughs> if you haven't read the upcoming books, but would like to read along with us, head on over to our link in bio and get a copy of them for yourself so that you can participate in our discussions. As an Amazon associate and member of other affiliate programs, we earn from qualifying purchases. You don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase using our link, we get a commission. So thank you for supporting us. For anyone who's just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We'll be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so be sure to check out our socials for updates and bonus content. You can find us on Instagram at bookswithcooks underscore podcast, on TikTok at bookswithcookspodcast, on Twitter at Books with Cooks, and you can visit our website at bookswithcooks.wixsite.com. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can also email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Goodreads for our full book reviews at Jess Books with Cooks and Alex Books with Cooks. We'll include this information in our podcast bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it. Because we're done with this one. Make it bigger, though. I can't. Oh, okay. Eat my shit. <laughs> Make is it that, bigger. That's what she said. Is that big enough? Since this is a monthly episode, we'll, we'll be giving out monthly horoscopes for the coming month. We got these from website. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. So we chose to read this book because we love Emily Henry's writing and have heard overall great things about the novel. And <laughs> you, I'm sorry, you said we chose to read this book. <laughs> so we chose to read this book because we love Emily Henry's writing and have have heard over nice, 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 Red Bull nice.